listening to the Neophotonics Podcast. Welcome to the Neophotonics Podcast. I'm John Houghton, and this is a program where we talk about insights and best practices for optical communications, lasers, and their applications. Today's topic is zero DBM modules. So on the line with me to discuss this are Winston Way, Mark Stiller, and Ferris Lipscomb. How are you guys doing today? Fine, how are you? Thank you. Good, I'm doing pretty good. Ferris, what is a zero DBM module? Zero dBm refers to the output power, the amount of power that a a transceiver module transmits into the optical fiber. Uh, Zero dBm is is a log scale for optical power. Zero dBm corresponds to one milliwatt. 10 dBm is 10 milliwatts, but 20 dBm is 100 milliwatts. So it's a log scale, so it increases very quickly. The reason zero dBm is interesting is in Transceiver modules, particularly coherent transceiver modules, they've been somewhat limited in output power, typically more like minus 10 dBm. But with high output power of 0 dBm, it has a lot of effects on the performance, particularly how far the module can transmit and a number of other things that we'll get into in the course of this podcast. Mark, why is 0 dBm output power important for telecom, cloud, metro, and regional long-haul networks? That's a good question, John. So traditionally, deployments for these networks has been done with a baseline of zero dBm output power from the high power transponders that are traditionally used in telecom. So there's a lot of networks and a lot of fiber already carrying traffic where the transmitters are set to zero dBm. It's a historical legacy design, but because so much existing infrastructure is already powered at that, if you want to introduce a different type of transceiver into that network, you want to try and come as close as possible to zero dBm on the new transceiver. Um, If you don't, you end up creating an imbalance in the output power across different DWDM channels. And as a consequence, you have too much noise leaking through into those channels from their higher power neighbors. And then that in turn affects the OSNR performance in the link, which determines how far you can transmit, how, how much data you can put through in terms of your bit rate and baud rate. So the real drive for this is compatibility with legacy networks. Um, and then as a secondary impact, Um, the overall link performance will improve um, if you're running at zero dBm. Yeah, so you can imagine if uh, if a a legacy network has 80 wavelengths and they have used up, say, 50 wavelengths and still 30 wavelengths to go, the uh, deployed 50 wavelengths they have already got zero dBm transmitter power uh, from older generations of products. Uh, now you you have 30 more to go, and in those uh, 30 more wavelengths, you do want them to have uh, equal amount of power as the older generation, uh, either transponders or uh, pluggable modules. Are there any other important specifications associated with zero dBm that we should pay attention to? So yeah, there are two important specifications uh, associated with uh, zero dBm output. The first one is in-band OSNR. OSNR stands for Optical Signal-to-Noise Ratio. 
Um, so, so that's also called a transmitter OSNR. So you can imagine when you launch a signal that has a very clean signal to noise ratio, uh, then you can go very far. So, so the higher the, the in-band or transmitter OSNR, the better. Uh, so that's number one. And number two is uh, the so-called out-of-band OSNR. This is uh, the noise uh, outside the signal band. Uh, so then why do we care about it? Uh, the reason is because those out-of-band noise will affect your neighbors or even very far neighbors. Um, uh, so you do want to make sure this out-of-band noise is minimized. So you have a very good out-of-band uh, optical to signal a signal to noise ratio. Uh, it's very difficult to achieve uh, high uh, transmitter OSNR and out of band OSNR. The reason is because uh, when you try to increase the transmitter output power from say minus 10 dBm to zero dBm, you need to add an amplifier inside the module. And the moment you add this amplifier inside your module, you will um, naturally have more optical noise coming out from your transmitter, both in band and out of band. So this amplifier is doing uh, some good to your output power so that it can go to zero dBm, but it's doing something bad to cause more noise to your in band signal and to your out of band neighbors. So, so that's why when you design a transmitter with zero dBm, you have to pay special attention to both the in-band and out-of-band OSNR or optical signal to noise ratio. And where that's especially challenging is in rotom networks where you have colorless add drops because there you don't get additional protection against your neighbors from the passband filtering, right? So the out-of-band OSNR especially becomes much more difficult criteria to meet. Yeah, in a colorless rotom, um, many channels are dropped to a uh, receiver at the same time. So the receiver is looking at all the, uh, let's say there are 16 channels dropped to a node. At, at this node, the receiver is looking at 16 channels coming into the receiver all at the same time. And uh, the receiver has a local oscillator to select a channel it wants to look at. But in the meantime, the other 15 channels, they are generating a lot of noise due to this uh, amplifier that I just mentioned. Uh, if, if it's inside the module and it's not controlled well, then you have this additional noise coming from the other 15 channels also seen by this uh, particular receiver. And that's why uh, for Carlos Rodem, uh, this is very critical that you don't want to have very high out-of-band noise uh, coming from your neighbors. Why is zero dBm and transmitter output power such a technical challenge? Well, John, I think um, as we look at the latest generation of modules, there's a strong pressure to reduce size, reduce cost, reduce power consumption. And as a consequence of that, the technologies you know, silicon photonics, and even indium phosphide, um, they tend to have a higher insertion loss than more traditional technologies. Um, 
And in the case of silicon photonics specifically, the drive voltage is higher. So you have a series of trade-offs that you have to manage between distortion, modulation loss, insertion loss, and power consumption. And within the space of that trade-off, um, where people have settled without amplification is at a minus 10 dBm level in transmit, out, transmit output power. To increase it beyond that without amplification then forces other trade-offs in signal to noise ratio and power consumption. And the other factor is uh, the cost due to uh, adding up amplifiers inside the module to compensate for the high loss due to uh, silicon photonics. So you need to add this amplifier inside the module. So number one uh, challenge is the size and power consumption due to this amplifier. So you, once you overcome that, the next challenge is that after the amplifier, uh, it's gonna generate a lot of uh, white noise uh, outside the band and inside the band. And so you need to, um, in order to minimize the noise outside of the band, you have to add a optical filter after the amplifier. Now, another challenge is that this laser that usually we use in a pluggable module is tunable. So when you tune a wavelengths, this added uh, optical filter has to be tuned together with the laser to match the wavelength. So then this optical filter, which was used to uh, eliminate most of the out-of-band amplifier noise has to be tunable. So it's even more costly for an optical filter to be tunable. So, so you, you end up with adding an optical amplifier, you add a tunable optical filter, uh, the cost just goes sky high. So um, you need to think about a way uh, to manage the amplifier noise, and also you think about a way, try not to use the optical uh, filters, which is tunable. Um, so those are the challenges that you don't want to have too many components added to the to the uh, module. Uh, but in the meantime, you you want to control the optical signal to noise ratio, both in band and out of band. So, Mark, how do you solve these problems? Well, John, what we've described is a set of um, complex engineering trade-offs in order to manage a balance between the insertion loss, modulation loss, how we do the amplification, and as a consequence, um, be able to suppress the undesirable side effects of doing the amplification. So it is an engineering challenge. We solved these problems by doing very careful management of our silicon photonics and indium phosphide design by making sure that we have balanced design, trading off these different factors against each other, and then by implementing very well-controlled and properly designed amplification to bring our module capability to zero dBm. And as a consequence, we expect to be releasing a pretty exciting set of products in the coming quarters. 
Well, thanks, Mark, Winston, and Ferris for explaining those things to us. You have been listening to the Neophotonics Podcast, your source for insight and best practices for optical communications, lasers, and their applications. If you have feedback, a comment, or question for one of our experts to answer on the podcast, you can write to us at podcast at neophotonics.com or call us at 408-904-2401. Thank you.